0: Welcome to episode 47 of the Search with Canda podcast recorded on Friday the 7th of November 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and today I am lucky enough again to be joined by Mr. Rob Lewis. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about removing content from Google search results, Google Ads delivery changes and ISP data. Before we get going, um, Rob, firstly, really pleased. I think it's it's the first one we've done together in 2020. Uh, and I'm really pleased as you might be able to hear if you're listening I'm getting over uh, the tail of and flu and my voice isn't quite working correctly yet So I'm really pleased you're here Rob to talk about Google Ads. <laughs> I think uh, you might need to gurgle some tcp <laughs> uh, Okay, so let's start talking about there is a new removals report in Google search console Which is pretty interesting there's a post that I'll link to in the show notes, which is search.withcanda.co.uk, which will take you to the official Google Webmaster blog. And they say on Tuesday 28th, they did a post called new removals report in Search Console. Uh, we're happy to announce that we're launching a new version of the removals report in Search Console, which enables site owners to temporarily hide a page from appearing in Google search results. The new report also provides information on pages on your site that have been reported via other Google public tools. Two important things to pick out there before um, moving on is Google's very specific and it always has been the case. They're saying this removal tool within Google search console allows you to temporarily hide a page or set of pages from appearing in Google search results. So firstly, this means you are only hiding the result from appearing you're not actually removing that from the google index there are specific ways i'll mention in a moment to that you need to go about to to actually remove a page from the index but this tool the difference is it allows you to do it pretty much instantly so even if you set pages for instance as no index That wouldn't have an immediate effect until the pages is is crawled again but this tool allows you to just quickly remove results Um, it it says temporarily because the idea behind this is you might want to remove a page and um, you then need to actually do something like set that page to no index to stop it appearing because if you just if you've got some pages you don't want appearing and you use this tool to Quote-unquote remove them all that will happen is they'll temporarily be hidden and actually they'll they'll come back unless you do something uh, something about it um, they go on to say uh, there are different tools available for you to report and remove information from Google in this post We'll focus on three areas that will be part of the new search console report temporary removals outdated content and safe search filtering quests So temporary removals, a temporary removal request is a way to remove specific content on your site from Google search results. For example, if you have a URL, you need to take off Google search quickly, you should use this tool. I would give an example for this, probably the most common one is it's, I've seen a lot of websites have their development or or staging sites indexed in Google. So that's when maybe a company's building a new website and they have a version online that they haven't actually password protected but is is in just a different area so it might be on like dev dot and then their domain name.com. google is pretty good at discovering these and actually indexing them so it can lead to a couple of problems such as firstly you may not actually want people poking around your unfinished development site competitors or or actually customers landing on it and getting confused and secondly you might you may actually start creating yourself kind of duplicate content problems in a way where you've got multiple versions of the same page sort of the older new version in Google so this is an example when you might want to quickly get these pages out of Google Uh, the post goes on to say a successful request lasts about six months which should be enough uh, for you to find a permanent solution you have two types of requests available one is remove uh, temporary remove URL will hide the URL from Google search results for about six months and clear the cached copy of the page or two, clear cache URL clears the cached page and wipes out the page description snippet in search results until the page is crawled again so the, the first there uh, which is temporary remove I think it should be called temporary hide URL to describe what it does better but that's um, For the case where we just said maybe you've had your development site um, indexed and you don't want it indexed, and the the tool says it will it will last about six months, so it'll be hidden for about six months. So you've got you know a few months there to try and actually sort out a proper solution. So the proper solution, if you if you want things not included in Google's index is to use the noindex tag and that can be used on page or through the http header and this tells search engines when they go to that page not to index it not to include it in their index the one of the most common mistakes we see is developers using the robots.txt to exclude parts of the site thinking the robots.txt is going to stop them from getting indexed and that's not actually true so the robots.txt is what controls crawling so pages shouldn't then be crawled by search engines but if they're discovered those pages through other means it is still possible that they will be indexed and you may have seen some of uh, some results in google sometimes where it says that uh, the meta description isn't available and that's normally when a page in robots.txt has been indexed and the other thing to bear in mind is that your robots.txt is publicly viewable so if you're trying to hide sensitive things or development sites behind it that can otherwise be accessed, someone can just look at that file, read it and, and go to those pages. So definitely want to use the noindex tag and you can use this temporary removal tool to... Um, Get the results quickly out of Google the clear cache um, Might be useful for instance. I don't know if if you're like me and you are always plagued by spelling mistakes Uh, So if you've got a spelling mistake in the Google cache that's showing prominently in the search results You could use this clear cache to to flush it out But you'd need the page to be crawled again then um, before it's going to appear in the results Uh, but really really handy tools there Um, the second one is outdated content So these next two are actually really good insights into what's happening with your site that's been triggered through public tools. So the outdated content section provides information on removal requests made through the public remove outdated content tool, which can be used by anyone, not just site owners, to update search results showing information that is no longer present on a page. So this is a really helpful tool whereby you might be ranking for a search result because google thinks something's on your page and it's not there anymore and somebody's used this tool to to flag it you can see those urls now and similarly there is also now a tab for safe search filtering so the safe search filtering section in search console shows a history of pages on your site that were reported by google um, to users as adult content using the safe search suggestion tool urls submitted to this tool are reviewed and if google feels this content should be filtered from safe search results those urls are tagged as adult content so now you can actually see which of your urls have been tagged as adult content because they won't be appearing in the default safe search on um, results So they're the three sections now in the removals tool. The removals tool, if you log into Google Search Console, uh, should be under the index on the left-hand side, just under sitemaps. And you'll have those three tabs at the top. As the post kind of suggests, there are lots of different ways to get content removed from Google, lots of public tools. And one point of interest I wanted to add on to the end of this is I've recommended lots of people, websites, friends, clients before to use the... DMCA removal tool in Google, which I again I'll link to in the show notes. So the DMCA is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Um, it's a tool that Google's legally obliged to review when you report to URLs that are copying your content. So if you have copyrighted content, you've written some content, you've got images, for instance, and they're appearing in search results, you can fill out this form that says, "Here's my original content. Here's the URL that's copying me." Um, I'm signing sort of this legal process to say that I am the copyright holder here and I've always recommended people do that because I in my experience Google has responded quite quickly in removing those results from search and they'll remove them unless there's a, a counterclaim where someone says actually it is my content. But the other thing I found out uh, last week is Google actually said if a site has multiple upheld, dmca requests against it that is i the same sites had multiple people uh, flag their copying content they've been investigating they've been upheld it's actually used in the as part of the ranking algorithm so by that they said used as part i assume it means that site is going to rank worse not better obviously if it is copying content i did have someone um, when i was talking about this tool earlier in the week on linkedin say well is this going to cause people to just kind of flood loads of DMCA requests to sites, um, to, you know, try and cause them trouble. And one thing I did point out to them is it is actually illegal to submit a knowingly false, uh, DMCA claim. So if you're getting lots of these claims and having to counter them, um, it might actually be worth exploring kind of legal options there. Um, so I think that's all being handled quite well. It's another good addition to Google Search Console that will hopefully help us. So changes to ad delivery in Google Ads is something we're gonna talk about now. Um, I know from looking at your notes, Rob, uh, I saw last year Google announced it was phasing out accelerated budget delivery. Yep. Um, and you, you raised this earlier with me in the week, actually, about these changes. Um, mm. I'm really pleased we're having this podcast because <laughs> Rob did actually send me a note about this change. And I've had a particularly busy couple of weeks and I haven't had time to read through um, what he said to me yet. So this is my first time now hearing the explanation <laughs> about these changes. You make it sound like it was a polite note, but in reality, it was an, <laughs> oh, woe is me, Mark. You won't believe what Google
1: have changed now. Um, but yeah, so um, I think it was back in August last year, Google announced it would phase out accelerated budget delivery. Um, and in case nobody knows the difference between the two delivery types, there's standard ad delivery, which is where Google well staggers the ad delivery throughout the day. And Google is in control of when those ads shows
0: and Google will decide when it thinks it's best to show them. So this is basically if you don't have a high enough daily budget for your ad to show basically all the time, Mm -hmm. Google would spread them out during the day. So if you had a £50 a day budget for something with thousands of searches a day that all your ads aren't shown sort of between midnight and quarter past midnight. That's correct, although in
1: reality, um, even if you have a low budget, mm. Google may decide to spend it yeah. within the first few hours of the morning. Um, it's just whatever Google decides, essentially. It's, so you the, have no control over It's
0: It's the, the most common answer to uh, Google Ads client saying, why can't I see my advert when I type mm. such and such? Because Google, <laughs> because Google, yeah. Um, and the other option, uh, which was my favorite option, which I used to
1: use in nearly every single campaign I ran, was called accelerated delivery which is where i guess you could say the floodgates would constantly be open ads would show all the time as often as possible until the budget is depleted um that's assuming that you have a budget cap set in place it might be that you have a really high budget and you don't reach it but regardless the ads will always show whenever someone's searching for your 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 keywords assuming that you're bidding high enough
0: so can I ask for curiosity there before you carry on, why would you pick accelerated delivery for almost all your campaigns over standard? Because I assume, because if I remember rightly, standard delivery was the default by Google. It and I, I know we, we've we discussed before, there's lots of mm. defaults of Google we're not fans of, but why mm. would you choose advanced over okay, standard? Okay, I'll
1: try and answer this as quickly as possible because <laughs> the answer is, it's complicated. But basically, um, I want the ads to show as often as possible. And even if I had a limited budget, I would want that floodgate to be constantly open, open as wide as possible. Um, My experience with standard delivery was Google would sometimes choose to stop or to to cap ad impressions for no reason whatsoever. And I would always get more traffic. I'd always be more likely to reach the budget I'd set if I'd set it to accelerated. So let's say I had a campaign budget of 100 pounds per day and I set it to standard on average, it would maybe reach 70 or 80 pounds for some campaigns, whereas accelerated, I can guarantee that it would nearly always reach my target spec. Okay. Um, so that was the initial, that was initially why I chose um, accelerated over standard. Um, but there's other reasons as well, and, and the main one was it was so much easier to control the flow of traffic. So one of my favorite things used to be to bid really, really low, as low as was possible for the keywords I'd chosen, but ensure that I had accelerated delivery. So that despite the fact that I would have low ad visibility, the sheer volume of traffic potential would ensure a constant stream of clicks at a low cost, but with high volumes of traffic. So I could have I could generate really low cost per sales, cost per leads, generate decent RRI. And essentially, if I wanted to increase the flow of traffic even more, I could just slowly increase bids, um, and that was just that was how you would control traffic flow essentially, and how you would maintain and control your cost per lead.
0: That makes sense. So you're, the accelerated is guaranteeing you're you're kind of filling in the cracks between the Im- inventory, even on more expensive yeah. key phrases. Okay. Yeah. However, recently, um, and I'd be really
1: interested to hear from other people if they've noticed this as well. I've noticed there's been a change to I, the only way I can describe it is the ad delivery algorithm um, and when Google decides to show adverts and generate impressions. And what I've found is that if you set a low budget or if you set any budget um, that's not within a, an accept, what I, what Google may deem an acceptable level, ads will just not show. Or they will show, but the impressions that are being generated are so low as to just make the campaign completely pointless to run. And what I've found is that if you increase the budget, if you double the budget, then suddenly that flow seems to reach a threshold where ad delivery starts to take place and kickstart how I would expect it to be. So basically, in short, the more you're prepared to increase your budget by, the more traffic potential there is. So what I've been finding recently is where I've got campaigns that have a low budget. Let's just say I have a particular campaign where I only want to spend... 10 pounds per day um if i set it to 10 pounds per day using google's new uh quote, improved standard delivery unquote <laughs> um i won't generate any clicks sometimes for 24 hours but then if i suddenly double the budget then i get standard normal what i would deem to be a standard delivery taking place and then i suddenly start getting traffic but interestingly i will quite often meet my full budget even with the double budget set So what happens is the more I increase the budget by, the more traffic I'm generating and the lower I set the budget, sometimes I don't get any traffic at all. Um, So what I found is that where I've got campaigns where I have a set low budget for a reason, I'm having to double the budget and double the spend. So I've been having to come up with workarounds such as um, doubling budget on some campaigns to get them to run in the first instance and then when they've accrued a certain amount of spend, send me a um, an email notification or, or to automatically pause it. So I'm having to find workarounds just to get certain ads to show certain campaigns to run now.
0: So it's like the threshold to join in in the delivery inventory has yes. been kind of raised, basically. Absolutely. And that previous tactic of using Accelerator to kind of get in between those cracks of, I guess, Google's like scheduling ahead that inventory Mm. is is closing. It's
1: really interesting as well because in one of the previous podcasts we discussed optimization score and how one of the biggest impacts of optimization score is the amount of budget that you set. Now, I think it was just the other day I was looking at a campaign of mine and it had a 50% budget score and I went under the recommendations tab for that campaign and it said increase your budget and if I was to do that it would go up to 96%. So... That's a lot of. As a massive, a high percentile improvement. There. So <laughs> while optimization score doesn't have a direct bearing on the campaign delivery, in this instance, in a way, in an indirect way, it kind of does. Google saying, "Look, if you increase your budget, you're going to start getting traffic," but actually, that shouldn't be the case. The amount of budget that you set shouldn't, in my opinion, dictate that initial flow of traffic yeah. that you get. Um, so this isn't. This is just. An observation that I've recently found over the last couple of weeks, and I'm, as a result of it, I've had to reoptimize a lot of my clients' accounts to factor it in. Um, so I think if anyone has noticed a lack of traffic in some of their campaigns, um, or just erratic traffic generation, maybe one of the things they should look at is um, the the what well, could it be. Um, attributed
0: to the, this delivery mm. algorithm change, if indeed that's what it is. And one way to test that would be almost like spiking your budget into chunks rather yeah. than setting the lower daily amount. Yeah. Try increasing yeah. the budget. Another thing, maybe worth
1: doing is if you're using smart bidding and you've got a bidding cap in place, um, a max cost per clip bidding cap, maybe as a test, remove that and see what Google does with it or maybe even trial manual bidding for a while. And vice versa, if you're trying manual bidding, maybe try automated bidding, just test and see what you can get away with. Um, but if you do increase your budget, obviously just bear in mind that Google may suddenly decide that it wants to spend all of that budget. So uh, don't assume just because you've had a really slow traffic campaign for the last month or so that it's not gonna make any difference by doubling your budget. It may very well spend that budget now.
0: isp data so internet service provider data through google analytics is something we're going to talk about now um i guess it's it's very related to search marketing so we we don't normally touch on analytics here um but internet service provider data has been in google analytics for quite a long time now and I got a message from, again, you the other day. Uh, <laughs> I'm basically, not happy, basically, Mark. Yeah, saying, It's been a change. Saying it, it's gone, right? Yeah. And, well, that seems to be the yeah. case. And actually, about I, I showed you about half an hour um, after you said this, I just randomly on my uh, Twitter feed came across a chap called Gil, Gil, Gildner who said, we're no longer seeing service provider ISP within Google Analytics says no longer supported. Does anyone else know about this? So the 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 kind of error if you like he's getting is it says no longer supported the names of the internet service provider, ISPs used by visitors on your site. And this data has been quite useful basically for especially like B2B campaigns, hasn't yeah. it? In, so. It's transformed how I approach B2B analysis actually. So do you want to talk through kind of what I guess People in general have been using this data for in terms of Google Ads um, sure. and the, the impact sure so a lot of um,
1: a lot of large businesses will have their own registered broadband line or they'll have a business a least line A lease line, yeah. a lease line and, and that line will be registered normally in the name of the business and essentially every single service provider that's driving traffic to your to your website you can view the name of the service provider in Google Analytics So for a small percentage of businesses that have a registered leased line, you can actually see which businesses have visited you. Now, there are all sorts of um, services online that offer you this, but they're all paid for services. But for years, Google Analytics has offered this data for free. Um, And there's so many valuable things. From a pay-per-click perspective, I like um, creating audiences, Uh, Remarketing audiences for people in certain sectors. So, I'd always have a segment created for people who work in council or government, people who work in healthcare. Then I can show tailored ads to those people for remarketing purposes. And it's just been really valuable as well for our lead generation clients who want to have more of an understanding of how certain big leads they received discovered them. Because it's not just tracking through pay per click, it's through organic channels, email marketing. Um, and how those big corporations discovered them so it's been a really valuable report in Google Analytics
0: yeah so and I mean I couldn't find any more information about this as in I did some searches I can't find any statement by Google saying that they've removed this data or or why or any plans to do so I would assume it isn't a bug though i'm I'm guessing it it is now removed
1: it's interesting though because the first I no- I noticed it because I was getting a lot of
0: not set reporting data flow through into my service provider reports, which um, is it, the same we got when they removed the organic keywords. Yeah. So they went to not set, didn't they? Oh, was not, it was not, not provided. Sorry. Not, yeah. Yes. So not, not set not
1: not set normally comes through when there's an error of some okay. description, or when it's not what the information that you're pulling through into the report isn't compatible with what you're yeah. requesting. Um, but the um, message that you shared with me the other day from Twitter had an error message. I haven't got that error message
0: on my Google Analytics account. So, so, so I think that actually came um, from them hovering over the, the uh, dimension name the service provider so if you hover over the little i'll try that then. mark yeah that's
1: interesting in that case then you, you carry sounds... on i'll load up <laughs> analytics and, and let you know <laughs> if that is the case then it, it to me it sounds like a given um i, I wonder if there's been complaints because i know in or oh, i hate the word gdpr it's so dangerous we've got to be careful what we say but i know in in gdpr world um there's lots of questions as to whether or not that kind of data fits in with the whole gdpr thing um you know
0: um, yeah I, I was thinking about this because I mean the, the thing um, you have to excuse me I'm trying to browse analytics while speaking here uh, the thing that interested me was always that IP addresses were classed as or are classed I should say as PII so personally identifiable mm. information under GDPR which is why we have to anonymize mm. IP addresses with GA and we're not allowed to store them in server logs etc cetera, etc cetera. And that interested me because when there's been court cases they have thrown out the idea of using an ip address to identify an individual because obviously ip addresses firstly are shared Um, so my ip address in six months time might be someone else's Mm. um and obviously other people can use the same network because your IP address normally comes from the box that's connected to the internet whether it's a router or whatever network in- infrastructure so it have might have 1, 2, 10, 50, 100 people sharing that same mm. IP address so to take that a step further to use the, the ISP data that that surprises me and like you you know I'm not a GDPR obviously uh, solicitor I'm not you know, it's not my area of expertise, but it would surprise me if it's that's the law that's affected that. Mm. Um, so in our analytics, we got the same notice. If we hover over it, it says no longer supported. Mm. So we're guessing, shrug emoji, yeah. <laughs> that it's gone Yeah, for good. It's going back to
1: GDPR. I, I have um, seen instances of people who have a leased broadband line registered in their name which okay. obviously shouldn't use Google Analytics to find personally identifiable information. But in those cases, that person was giving you that information because they'd registered their broadband line under their personal mm. name,
0: which I just thought was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting because obviously the terms and conditions of Google Analytics are you're not mm. allowed to store, again, personally mm. identifiable information within Analytics. So I've seen cases where Uh, email marketing has used that person's, for instance, email address in the UTM campaign tracking Mm. and then got into hot water with Google because they're storing people's email addresses in GA.
1: So I don't know what's going to happen now, but um, presumably there'll be other service providers that offer this service maybe. Um, I know there's some big ones out there that offer this. It all depends on whether Google have taken this step Mm. because they've had some maybe some legal consultancy about it and they've determined that
0: it's not they're just fed up getting fined every 10 minutes there's that yeah so um yeah i guess we will update you on this podcast if we do find out any more about that so don't worry if you do use isp data and you've started noticing that it's no longer available or if you use it and you haven't checked recently so if you can't see it it's coming up as not set that you hover over and see it, it says no longer available it's not just you we'll see if we can shake some google trees and get some answers uh and bring them to you later i think that's everything i think so i think you can have a limb sip now <laughs> well uh thank you so much for joining myself and rob we will be back again in one week's time which will be february the 17th 2020 going through the year very quick uh Please do subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. If you're listening through our website or through an online player, it's available on pretty much every podcasting platform I could find to get it on. So look us up and do subscribe and we'll see you in a week. Bye.